and the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. The last few weeks we've been in this season of creation, an annual global ecumenical celebration where we're invited to honour God as creator and sustainer of all life and to recall that this is God's world and that this planet and all who live on it, live on it, belong to God. We're invited to join others around the world in praying, doing hands-on projects, advocating for the climate, for our planet, and making small or large changes. And each week I've provided a different resource sheet, and there's one about animals at the, on the side uh, where we put parish magazines and such uh, this, this week. So we began several weeks ago looking at Genesis 1, uh, a good place to start, and we were reminded not only that this world belongs to God, not us, but that we are made in the image of God, a God who is creating and giving life, and that our relationship with creation should be marked by these qualities, creating and giving life. And then we spent a little bit of time looking at that thorny verse which talks about Humanity being given dominion over the world, which we usually read, especially in the West, as domination. And I talked about how the Hebrew word that we translate as dominion means kingly rule. And if we read uh, the prophets and if we read the Torah, the Mosaic law, the ideal of kingly rule was that the king would rule for the long-term good of all the subjects, starting with the poorest. Now, there are lots of examples where kings didn't do that, but they did not meet the standards set by God. And so when we think about dominion, we need to think about our dominion in terms of, first of all, being made in the image of God, the image of the one who is creating and life-giving, and that we are to live in such a way that the long-term good of all, including the world we live on, God's gift to us is first and foremost. All of which stands in stark contrast to the way we in the West have treated God's gift for the last few hundred years. Two weeks ago we spent some time looking at the oceans. I talked about how by volume the ocean provides 90% of the living space here on this planet. The science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke has pointed out it would be far more appropriate to refer to planet Earth as planet ocean. Most life forms evolve out of the sea. There are a total of 230,000 documented marine species, including 20,000 fish. But it is estimated that there are still 2 million marine species yet to be documented which just says that we really don't know what's going on in the sea. There is much about this planet that we don't understand. Marine microorganisms, including bacteria and viruses, constitute 70% of the total marine biomass. If you put all the fish and the plants in the sea together by weight, those microorganisms would be 70% of the weight which is amazing, and we don't know much about those. 
the oceans provide, and I then went on to talk about how the oceans provide an amazing way to get into the overall theme of this year's season of creation, which is web of life, biodiversity as God's blessing. I talked about how this web is like an intricate net, a self-sustaining net of complex relationships and feedback loops, of natural life support systems. And we talked about how we have been busy over the last few hundred years cutting the threads of this net at a faster and faster rate. And we spent a little bit of time reflecting on what might happen if we keep cutting the threads. In light of all of that, we joined the writers of Psalm 104 and Job. We again heard a little bit more. We said a little bit more of Psalm 104 today. And we heard a little bit more of God's response to Job's questions uh, in our first reading this morning. And those readings invite us to be in awe and wonder. Awe and wonder at the oceans. Awe and wonder at the web of life that exists within those oceans and awe and wonder at the God who creates both the oceans and that intricate web of life that sustains and holds all life on this planet. And I wondered how our interactions with creation and with God might be built on this awe and wonder. This week we're invited to reflect on the web of animal life. This picture actually isn't much about animals at all, but it is about Southland, so that's important. And it actually talks about uh, the jigsaw piece of all those different um, habitats and how they're all linked. If you start mucking around with one of them, it affects all the others in Southland, the peat bogs, the sand dunes, Kahikatea Swamp, um, the red tussocks of snowbanks, the coastal turf, the braided rivers, the flat swamps, the Manuka scrub, the kelp forest. If you play around with those, any of those, it affects all the others, and that affects the animals that rely on those to survive, and that affects everything else. This week, we're invited to reflect on the web of animal life in which we are held and sustained. We often think of ourselves as somehow separate from the animal kingdom. Uh, that's them over there, and we're over here, and we're fine. But actually, we are part of that web. And everything that we rely on to eat, and the air and the water that we rely on to survive, all depends on on those, that intricate web of animal life and plant life. This week we are invited to reflect on our relationships and our attitudes to all animals, our pets, farm animals, wild animals. So to get us going, get us warmed up, you might like to turn around to your neighbour, unless you've got neighbours, if you haven't got a neighbour, go and find a neighbour, and talk about your attitudes and and relationship with pets, farm animals, and wild animals. You've got about a minute, so you can't go too in-depth at this point.
All right, we'll start with the easy ones, the pets. How would you describe your attitude or relationship with pets? Love them? Loving? Yep. Member of the family. Yes. So they are the easy ones, aren't they? So as a follower of St. Francis and St. Clair, we are invited to see all animals, all of creation, as our brothers and sisters. So if you were here for the 9.30 service two weeks ago, we sang a little bit of St. Francis's great canticle, the Canticle of the Creatures, or the Canticle of Brother Sun and Sister Moon, where he describes all of creation with the words brother and sister all the way through. And pets, well, that's pretty easy. We see them as, we might not use the word brother or sister, but we see them as part of the family. But they're not always treated like that. And that's why we have organisations like the SPCA, and we are going to have our animal blessing service here in a few months, and Pound Rescue and other groups. So our little Muffy, she was a rescue dog, uh, found chained up at a house in Tapuki, um, with no water, covered in fleas, um, and she still doesn't like it when people get their bags out worried that she is going to be left behind. Farm animals. So in this country we tend to think we treat our farm animals well, but what kind of attitude and relationship do we have to farm animals? As food, I suppose. As food. Right. Yes. One of the places I go to got some pigs in. So they're called one Christmas and one Easter. Just to remind the children where the fate of those pigs. <laughs> I mean, they're a bit trickier, farm animals, aren't they? There are a number of people, including people in this parish, who would say that we need to see farm animals in exactly the same light as our pets. And so, Cliff and Paula, for example, Paula keeps reminding us about that. And they have been very insistent that our what we might have called our pet blessing service is actually an animal blessing service. So we have blessed farm animals. I have been down to the racetracks to bless the racehorses. So uh, when Cliff and Paula's cow got sick and they rang the vet, the vet said, well, don't you just put it down? And they went, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to look after this cow. So... It doesn't happen in this country. They had to go to England. The vet had to get hold of people in England where they do care for cows through to the end of their life and work out how to look after this cow. So it's a very different way of, of thinking about farm animals. And, and there is a growing movement inviting people to be vegetarian and vegan because actually if you're going to treat farm animals well then you have to think about the animal products, the milk and the eggs. And there are some farm practices that aren't great. And there are some that we really need to think about. So the kind of cages where a lot of the, the battery hens are kept are just squeezed in there and then the, and then the eggs. They're just an egg-making machine. Uh, we've seen the sow pens where, the, where pigs are kept, which are no bigger than the pig themselves. So those are horrible farming practices. So yes, we need, they are food, but that doesn't mean that they need to be treated poorly. And unfortunately, there are, there are lots of good farmers who really do care for their animals, but there are 
too many farmers who don't care for their farmers, for their farm animals. And it's very easy to find lots of articles about them, beating them, hitting them, etc. A few years ago, uh, Pope Francis, well, two or three years ago, wrote his, uh, the first encyclical that he wrote, the, the first one that he published was mostly written by the previous Pope. Uh, it was called Laudate Si, which was about care of creation and climate change. Uh, it's a very readable encyclical and it's freely available, so I encourage you to read it. Um, but one of the things he was concerned about in that is how we in the West, who live in cities, have become divorced from knowing where our food comes from. Well, especially the kids, but there's lots of adults that have real... I mean, we just don't think about it, really. And if we did think about it... So one of the people I read for this was talking about how she lives in a, in a kind of place like here, and some of the parishioners are farmers. She went out to visit a turkey farmer and saw how that, those turkeys were treated, and then the next time she went to the supermarket to buy turkey, she looked at that, and then she thought about what she'd seen on the turkey farm, and she didn't buy turkey because actually the way those treat turkeys were treated was appalling. Now she said that wasn't a bad man, that was just common farming practices. So it's, you know, how do we take that knowledge into our purchasing of food in the supermarkets? But Pope Francis said we actually need to think about the people who work on the farms, the farmers, the farm labourers who are across the world poorly paid, that's I mean, they're not the best paid in this country, but certainly worldwide are often poorly paid. And um, it's why illegal immigrants are important in America, because they provide the poorly paid farm labourers. And now that they are sweeping up these illegal immigrants, there's a shortage of farm labourers. Actually, I, I don't know if it was true, but there was a really interesting article that uh, there was a dawn raid on Donald Trump's golf resort, and there was no one left to to cook or to serve the people. They were all illegal immigrants. So um, that, may, that may have just been fake news. Who knows? It's quite funny. But there's all the people who work in the industries uh, packaging, uh, processing, transporting that food, and then all those who work in supermarkets. There is a lot of people involved in getting food to our table. And so in that encyclical, he invited us to remember all those people in our prayers before we eat to give thanks for their labour and I would include the animals who have given their lives or the egg or the milk or whatever to actually remind ourselves that these are living people and animals that, that are involved in our food. Well the wild animals, the next one. So what did you come up with here? What kind of relationship and attitude do we have to wild animals? Well, I was saying we saw a program the other night about the rhinoceros. Yeah. And they are now cutting the rhinoceros horns off the live animals so that the poachers won't come and kill the animals. So that's pretty awful. It is. To kill a whole animal just for Oh, yeah. It is horrific. And the, and the number of people who die trying to protect them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a lethal, shows how much money is involved in the black market. Yeah. Well, uh, I've got a little movie for us to watch, so sit back and enjoy. The Panda Bear is the quintessential.
its habitat is melting. But global warming also affects other animal species all over the world. Every added degree of temperature has its consequences. What effect does climate change have on animals? With global warming, the vegetation in large areas of the Earth changes, and with it, the food the animals live on. Take the koala, for instance. Its habitat is eucalyptus forests, and its main food, the leaves of the trees. But too much carbon dioxide in the air changes the chemical composition of the eucalyptus leaves, making them toxic to koalas, and threatening these highly specialized marsupials with extinction. Other species can react to climate change by fleeing. Researchers have calculated that on average, species move nearly 17 kilometers towards the north and south poles, or climb about 11 meters higher in the mountains every 10 years, searching for cooler places to live. That's three times faster than previously thought. They look for new habitats that are as similar as possible to their old ones. Storks are more often going further to the northeast to nest. These birds find their food in moist earth, and wetland areas in Central and Western Europe are shrinking. A few species benefit from climate change. The bark beetle, for instance. With rising temperatures, it spread ever further, damaging trees and entire forests, and that in turn destroys the habitats of other animals. In general, the more adaptable a species, the greater its chances of survival. But some species react more sensitively to change than others. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change predicts that one in three species will die out if global warming continues. about a garment you've knitted and if you cut a third of the, the threads how well that garment would hold together after that happened. Climate change is real. There's lots of people who tried to deny it. Some of our political parties are still trying to push it under the carpet and pretend it's not a real thing. It is a real thing. It's happening. It is it is here to stay. It is not something we can avoid anymore. The best we can do is limit the effects. If we do nothing, the results will be catastrophic. Catastrophic for the environment, catastrophic for us as humans. So some of the reports are talking about catastrophic economic, political, social consequences. Life on this planet as we know it will come to an end within our lifetime. So this is not hundreds of years down the track. This is really soon. So this is something we need to take note of and act on. We could do that out of fear or we could do it because as Christians we can bring a different perspective to this whole issue. That this is God's world. We're invited to remember this week to remember that all these creatures that we're talking about, even spiders, 
are not simply receivers of God's goodness, but like us, by their very existence, they are doing God's ongoing creating and life-giving work. And our actions are depriving them of the resources they need to flourish and thrive. Our actions are leading to climate change. And we are affecting their ability to engage in this work. We are hindering our brothers and sisters as they seek to be part of God's ongoing work, ongoing creating and life-giving work. So some questions. In what ways do we honour our brothers and sisters in how we live? And by that I mean all the animals. Pets, farm animals, wild animals. In what ways do we offer all our brothers and sisters the resources they need to experience the fullness of life so that they might continue doing God's life-giving work? And in what ways does our longing for the coming of God's reign of justice and peace include all the animals who live on God's creation. So, have a chat to your neighbours about, pick one and have a chat for a minute or two. Anyone have some friends?